Bibles, if you would, please. We're going to be reading in 1 Corinthians. This passage was uh, read a few Wednesday nights ago, or maybe Sunday nights ago, for the Hope Father message about Apollos, if I remember right. We're going to read over that tonight and not really deal with that particular subject, talking about serving again tonight. And let's get 1 Corinthians a pretty lengthy passage of scripture uh, tonight and, um, and talk about the fact that in serving the Lord, we don't serve alone. We serve with others. Not only is that commonplace, not only is it traditional, it's biblical. And sometimes people want to just do their own thing, you know, isolated and but, I'm, but the Bible, I'm glad the Bible gives us instruction, really, about how God, not only the fact that God wants us to serve, but how he wants us to serve. So let's begin reading in verse 1, where Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 3, 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto, unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, couldn't handle it. Neither yet now are you able. These, talking about the church members there at Corinth, they were, they were not spiritually minded as they should be, at least some of them. Verse 3 says, for you're yet carnal, carnal having to do with fleshly. Uh, we're either walking in the spirit or we're walking in the flesh, really one or the other. And they were, many of them were carnal. For you're yet carnal, for whereas there is among you, Envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men, just like natural men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? They were just, had their own favorite preacher, you know, and they were being carnal about it. Who then is Paul? Now, look in verse 5. Paul writes this and said, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. So he says, you're making much of one preacher over another. This is my favorite preacher. I'm a follower of Apollos. And Paul was so direct in verse 5. Who is Paul and Apollos? They're ministers, servants. All, they, all we are, he says, are servants by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul what does that mean? Paul, I believe Paul is saying, you know, God used Paul, uh, Apollos and myself, we're servants. But the Lord gave every man the ability to serve. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. They're not one person, but they're working for the same objective, one goal, one objective, one team. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. According to the grace of God, Paul writes, which is given unto me, 
As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, two different kinds of material, two different classifications of building. One of them is permanent, gold, silver, precious stones. One of them is temporal, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for, that, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. His works may burn up, he may have nothing to show for his life, but he'll be saved. If he was a child of God, he'll be saved, yet so as by fire. Verse 16, know you not that you're the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, whose temple you are. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the precious Bible, the epistle to the Corinthians. That Lord is so practical, so powerful, so needed really so penetrating as we take it to heart. We thank you for it. Thank you for the wisdom it gives us. And I pray you'd help us tonight to examine the subject of serving from a different angle, and that is serving with others and serving you. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. So this, this like a lot of epistles, this... It's a, a general epistle. It's not one of the pastoral epistles. It's a general epistle, and it's to a local church. This is such a simple, basic, and yet important thing to understand when you're reading the Bible, to rightly divide the word of truth, is to, to know who he's writing to. This, was, this applies to everybody, but he's writing to a local church. Look in chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul is writing this epistle, Unto the church of God which is at Corinth. And the word church, of course, is an ecclesia, called out assembly. It's a congregation. This epistle was written to a local church. It was written to a congregation. And, but it also, it also says that it's not only for this church, but it's for other saints and all saints. Look in verse 2. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, we're in chapter 1, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and, and ours. So I know that we live, and you may never notice this, but I see it a lot and hear it a lot, notice it a lot. When people talk about the church as being all Christians, the church is a local assembly. This, you know, this church is a local assembly that Paul is writing to, and it's inaccurate doctrinally to think of the church being... A universal and invisible. It's a church is an assembly. It's a congregation. It, it shouldn't be called a church if it's not a symbol. 
And so this epistle is written to a church. And, um, and when you read this epistle, and if you're, you, most of you would know this, if you read this epistle, just this one book of the Bible, then you'll see that there were a lot of specific issues going on in this church. It had more than its share of problems. We just read about some of them in chapter 3, if you want to go back there. And that is they were carnal, they were fleshly, they were kind of had a, I sometimes call a party spirit, like I'm for this person more than that person. That's, and that's all carnal. Every bit of that is carnal. Um, they had also problems with taking people to court. Paul rebuked them for that. They were, a, they were abusing spiritual gifts. Two entire chapters devoted to that, chapter 12, chapter 14. All these problems... There was immorality in the church. They weren't dealing with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. These are specific issues in a local congregation. And so it's very clear that um, they had issues, and most of those issues, I, I think we could safely say, were related to their carnality. They weren't spiritual. By the way, if you're not a spiritual person, you're going to have problems with the flesh and the sins of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And so God is giving them this instruction in this epistle. And one of the things he talks about is this matter of serving and how they serve together. And there are two things I just want to kind of call our attention to in this, in this epistle and, in, uh, and just in general for all of our lives. And that is this. All of us are different. All of us are different. They were all different in a variety of ways. Chapter 3 and uh, verse 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. There are differences in what we do. Paul wasn't trying to be Apollos. Apollos wasn't trying to be Paul. And the same is true in our life. We don't all have the same ministry. We don't all serve in the same way. We don't all do the same thing. God didn't intend for us to do that. You know, the best illustration in life that I can think of anytime I'm talking about this is I remember the days of high school when we played football, and I can still remember uh, in, in the summer we'd start, to, we'd start some two-day workouts in the summer before school started, and our coach would give us a, 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 a notebook, and in the notebook it had all the plays that we were to learn, and there were quite a number of plays, but the thing I remember most about it was not just the plays, but I remember that every one of those plays showed the, the uh, assignment of every player on the offense. So if you were blocking on that assignment or if you were supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, the quarterback had his thing to do and the running backs had their things to do. And if you were, the play was coming on your side, you'd block a certain way. If you were on the off side, you would go down and try to take. Everybody had their own play. And the success of a play depends on everybody doing their own thing, what they're supposed to be doing. And nobody ever got in the huddle and said, you know, I get tired of you getting to throw the ball. Why can't I throw the ball? You don't get to do that. Everybody has their own assignment. And by the way, that's what he's saying to this church. And that's the way, and that's the way it ought to be with every church. Every, if, it's like, it'd be nice if we had a playbook and we could just say, every, this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you're supposed to do. But the truth is, every one of us are to be engaged in ministry, and we're not all to do the same thing. So all of us are different in ways. We have different gifts. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
And just one verse here that, that describes that, verse 4, it says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's only one Spirit, one Holy Spirit, capital S Spirit, but there's a diversity of gifts. Everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different tasks to perform. Everybody has different gifts. And God gives us gifts to help us with the task that He's given us to do. So we're not... All, we don't all have the same spiritual gift. And we don't all have the same assignment. But all of us, here's the point I've been emphasizing. All of us are to be engaged in ministry. All of us. And I don't care who we are. We are to be get engaged in ministry. So there's a difference in, in, in acts of service. There's a difference in spiritual gifts. And if you're still in chapter 12 there... And look in verse 14, and if we had the time, we could, we could really spend time on this passage. I love, this is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12. But 14, it says, for the body is not one member but many. And of course, that's, Paul is going to use the physical body as a, an object lesson. And every member of your body has a different function. And the, better, the, better, the, the more healthy you are, the more that you're functioning, right? Your mind does not do what your feet are supposed to do, and your nose is not supposed to do what your elbow is supposed to do. It's just the way God made us. And I don't remember when I started learning this. I don't know that I started learning it before we moved here. When I was, I'm sure I heard it preached before we left Texas and came up here. But I, but I do know this. It's a remarkable thing how clear this is in the Bible. If you, you could take any person, first of all, any person that's saved... This is just basic Bible doctrine. Any person that's saved needs to be scripturally baptized. And when they're scripturally baptized, they're added to that church. And they're a member of that body. And there is a function for them in that body. For every single one. Isn't that an amazing thing? God has a plan. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you're not, you don't have any involvement at all in service, you ought to be thinking, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And if you're thinking, well, that's, you're, you're just talking to old people. No, I'm talking about all people that are saved. So, but we all have a different function. So there's, we're different in ways, but we're also to be united in ways. Uh, for instance, look in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's look in verse, just two verses, verses 10 and 11. Now I beseech you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. I have those words underlined in my Bible. Speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions, schisms or divisions among you. This verse just con continues to elaborate on this, this subject. There's, you say the same thing. There's to be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So God, we, all, we have different functions. We have different gifts. We have different roles to play. But all of us are to be saying the same thing. We're to be on the same doctrinal page. You know, people think what well, doctrine well, doesn't matter that much. It only doesn't matter if you're not trying to follow the Bible. If you're trying to follow the Bible... Unity of doctrine matters. So we're to be doctrinally in agreement. And 
and united, really united in our mission. You know, there's a lot of things that cause division in churches, and sometimes things that call division in churches are not even doctrinal. They're not even spiritual. Sometimes it's political stuff. People get all, all you know, focused and, and passionate about certain things that aren't even biblical. You know, I personally can get along with somebody who's a, is pro-vaccination or who's anti-vaccination. I don't think that's a biblical matter to be concerned about. I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned. It's not a biblical matter. It shouldn't matter as much to us as Bible doctrine matters to us. And so, so we ought to be united on Bible doctrine. We ought to be united in the cause of evangelism and missions and discipleship. And, and so in this church, they had, they, they had some divisions and Paul was addressing those divisions. And, and notice how he wants them to be united, not just so they can get along, but united because of their service. Um, looking back to chapter 3 and verse 8. Notice this language as we read it a moment ago. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Now he's talking to this church. He that planteth and he that watereth are one. Um, and then and look in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. We work together, we're one. And let me just, let me just break this down the way I see it. Every, you know, um, the people who are downstairs in the nursery watching the babies, that's their, they're doing their thing tonight. And you have uh, the Brother Bodge with the smaller children, the three-year-olds up to the eight-year-olds, Brother and Mrs. Bodge, and they're down there doing their thing tonight and we have guys sitting in a sound booth and we have guys sitting out in the foyer and uh, and, and so you know what we're doing you say well they're doing this they're doing that's true but it's all one it's all one body it's all one ministry and we may have people that go to the nursing homes and people you know that go on outreach and people that do you know people that help print out the, the flaming torch and and you know, people who drive vehicles, we have all these different people, but they're not different. They're all one. It's all one ministry. And that's the, it's the, way, it's the way it was in football. You know, the, you've got the guy that's the center who's hiking the football and the quarterback that's taking it and the guards and the tackles and the ends may be blocking and he gives the ball to a running back and the running back tries to score some, get some yards, but it's just one team. And it shouldn't be us looking, thinking like, well, you know, how come I don't get to do what they're doing? Or how come they're doing this? Or they're more important than this? No, it all matters. It all matters. Everybody ought to be doing their job. And so I think God wants to see in this, in this, in this general epistle, and specifically in these areas, that there are areas that we need to be unified in. And there, we, ought to be diff we have different gifts. We have different assignments. But it's only one body. It's just one body, one team. And everybody should be serving. Look in verse 10. Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. The word grace there, charis, it means a gift. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds their own. And he, he said, I've, you know, I've 
done my part. Let every man take heed how he builds upon it. But all are be building according to the grace of God. And so that's what we're to be serving. And we're to be serving not just, not just what we'd like to do, but what does God want me to do? What has God gifted me to do? And I've said this a lot of times, and I sometimes say it in jest, but I'm serious about it. You know, um, you put me in a room with preschoolers to try to handle them, teach them. I'm just not cut out for it. You know, I'm, I'm just not made for that. I, I'm not saying I couldn't do it. I could do it. I wouldn't want to do it. I don't like doing it. But some people just love doing it. I mean, they just, they're cut out for it. And that's not, that's not meaning one person's better than another person. It just means God gifts us all differently. And our job ought to be saying, God, what do you want me to do? We shouldn't covet what somebody else is doing. We shouldn't envy what somebody else is doing or not doing. We ought to just be working together. By the way, I think we ought to appreciate the variety in the membership and the ministries of people. I do. I mean, think, I think we ought to. I really thank God I'm not in the nursery tonight, for instance. I mean, those things, that's a serious issue to me. If I had to be down there, it, never, nobody would be happy. Uh, including me, I can tell you. And even people that go to the nursing homes every week, I thank God for them. You know, sometimes people have the idea, well, if the, if the you know, if somebody's going to the nursing home, it has to be the pastor. Why does it have to be the pastor? I don't, no one around here ever says that. I'm just saying people might think that when we had, we were going to the jail ministries, and I, that's something I really enjoy doing when I'd go, is go to the jails. But other men in the church do that. We ought to appreciate those that do it. You know what Jesus gave the church to do? He didn't give the church the assignment just to come together three or four times a week and just hug necks and fellowship and sing songs. That's all good. But the commission is to take the gospel to the world. That's our assignment. That's your assignment. My assignment. It's our church's assignment. And everybody ought to be contributing to it. You know, I played fullback and linebacker in football fullback in the offense, and if I, it was, if it happened to be a play when I was receiving the ball, and I was going on the right-hand side, and the guard and the tackle missed their blocks, they just decided, you know, I'm tired of blocking. I want to do something different, and I got creamed for it. I wouldn't be a happy camper, right? Everybody's got, everybody's supposed to be doing their own job, their own responsibility. We ought to appreciate those that do so. Like I said, this you know, I'm confident there are probably people who look at this paper and say, you know, well, I didn't have anything to do with it, so it's probably not that important. And yet I, I get to hear from people often who read these things and are blessed by it. And you know who does it? The church does it. And if you're in the church, you had a part in that. And I, I, I'm confident that a lot of people don't look at it that way. We look at it, well, that's, that's the office staff, or that's this person, or... Of those people, no. That's not how God looks at it. That's not how Paul looked at it. He said, who are we? Who am I? We're just ministers. We're just servants. And that's the way everybody in the church ought to be. In the ministry, we serve others. We, if we're participating, we're a part of serving others. But we serve with others. And just like in the football illustration... In an ideal situation, every member of the team, every person on the field is committing all of their resources, all of their time, all of their focus, 
all of their passion, all of that to the team. We're all giving it all to the team. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I think a lot of times in churches, we don't look at it like that. We look at they're doing this and they're doing that and I'm not doing anything and they're doing too much. And really, it ought to be everybody contributing to the team. Otherwise, you're a freeloader. <laughs> Can I just be honest? You know, that's what I'd want to say to somebody that's in the, get in the huddle and they're just, you know, if we get up there and ready to play and they're just looking, off, looking up to the cheerleaders and stuff, you know, I'd say, hey, get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. We got a game to win. We're in this, and this is not a game. This is real life. This is matter. This is ministry. This is eternal souls. Get your head in the game and get your heart in the game. And so, so you have this kind of an interesting dichotomy here. Paul writes about diversity. We have different gifts, different assignments, but then unity. We, we're on the same page doctrinally, and we're on the same team, and we're working together. And so this matter of serving together is really what I wanted to emphasize tonight. Look what it says in verse 9. Paul, Paul says in verse 8, you know, He that planteth, he that watereth are one. Verse 9, we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. We're laborers together. Ministry is a team effort. It ought to be. It needs to be. The more it's a team effort, the more impact it's going to have. The more it's a team effort, the more it's going to be accomplished. Um, whether it's, you know, you got outreach team, you got greet, you ought to have greeters, you ought to have ushers, and people in the music ministry. Obviously, I don't belong up there. People who are teachers, we're fellow laborers. I'll give you an example. I was coming up on the platform. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was right here at the stage. It was time to start on a Sunday morning, about three minutes before 11. And I look back, and I see a visitor with a couple of kids under, under their arm. And I could tell they were just looking for a place to sit. And so I walked back, and I said, um, are you looking for a place to sit? Now, that's hard. You have to work, really work at stuff like this. You know, to train yourself, make yourself know what to say. But if you practice, you can do it. So I, I said, you're looking for a place to sit? And he goes, yeah. And I said, too bad. <laughs> no. No, I said, well, let me find you one. And I walked up here and I found two options. One was over here. One was over. I said, how many seats you need? That's another hard one, you can, but you can learn to do that. How many, how many seats do you need? And he said, three. So I found a place. He said, that's what I wanted. And I was kidding around with him. I said, but we have this front row. We have a special on the front row. And he said, no, I'll take the one you gave me. And you know why, why do I say that? Because that's an important job. I want to say it again. That is an important job. When somebody comes in and they're, they're new it's awkward. And that, you know what? They walked around several men to get in the door that didn't say a word to them about trying to help them. And I'm just being honest with you. That's an important job. And, and there's lots of people in this room and in our church that could do that job. 
But we think, well, that job's not important. It is an important job. And I don't mind doing it. I like doing stuff like that. I told you this once before, but I was in a church a couple of years ago. Wasn't as big as this building. I was sitting way over here on this side. I was a guest. I was going to speak in an afternoon service. I'm sitting there as a guest, and I see a family come in. And I could tell they didn't know where to sit. So I, I'm a guest. I got up out of my seat, went back there to him, and I said, let me help you find a seat and found a seat for him. You know why? I, think, I, don't, I don't think we ought to leave people like that standing around. We ought to help people. You ought to, some of y'all don't act look like you don't believe me. But I'm just telling you, every job matters. Every job's important. There are, there are a group of people that you and I never, hardly ever see that are walking around in the foyer, in the building, and looking, making sure everything's safe while we're in here. And you know what? You may not think that's important, but if someone were to come in that door with mischief on their mind, they'd be very important. Every job's important. And it's important that the job gets done, but it's also important that just a handful of people are not doing all those jobs. Everybody ought to be on the team. Now, back to my football analogy. I, I wouldn't have been a good bench warmer. I like to be in the game. And I'm, fortunate, I'm very fortunate that I didn't have to sit on the bench much. But I want to be in the game. I'd be, I, if I wasn't in the game, I'd be asking the coach, Coach, can I get in the game? Because I want to be in the game. You know what? And it's not a game. This is, this is important stuff. We're making disciples. We're reaching people with the gospel. And we're serving together. And when, we can emphasize service, and I think we have been and we need to be. We're not going to continue to beat this drum forever. But we, it's a team effort. And it's to be done through churches. Ministry is to be done in and through churches. We are fellow laborers. Look in verse 9. We are laborers together with God. We are fellow laborers. And in the New Testament, I didn't always believe this way because I just didn't understand. You know, the more you read the Bible, the more it comes together and makes more sense. You know, there's a lot of things becoming... And, but, but now, as I, every time I read the Bible, it's very clear to me that all the New Testament ministry was through churches. And churches networked together. There weren't any mavericks. There weren't any people doing things on their own. It was, it was church-oriented. And, that's, and I'm, I am 100% convinced that God's ministry, the best for, is to be done through churches. Um, you know, when Paul went out on his missionary journeys, read it sometimes in Acts chapter 14. I was going to turn to it, but I'm not going to. You know, when he, when he got back, he and um, Paul and Barnabas got back from their missionary journey. What did they do? They, they reported to the churches. You know why the churches sent them out? The churches sent them out. They helped start churches, and they reported back to the churches. And lots of mission work and lots of things are not even connected to churches. And to me, it's not the biblical way to do it. And, and yet here in Corinth, in the church of Corinth, we see this example. As a matter of fact, go to one place here. Go to the right to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Just to emphasize this point, Paul is writing the church at Corinth. And what does he say in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians? Chapter 16, verse 1. Now... 
concerning the collection for the saints. He's getting these churches to gather some money together for some, for, for some needy believers. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. You know how Paul got funds together? He went to churches. A lot of times people now are doing all kinds of mission stuff and they don't even, they, they circumvent the churches. They ignore, Paul, that's not New Testament. And Paul, Paul, he said, he went to the churches and he told them, this is what I want you to do. So I believe that's the way ministry ought to be done. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so we're laborers together with God. Look, look what it says in verse 9. Now, Who's he written, writing this to? He's writing it to a church. For we are laborers together with God. And notice what he said to the church at Corinth. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Two different statements. Two different object lessons or illustrations. First of all, he said you're God's husbandry. When we think about a husband, we think of husbandry, we think about a husband versus a wife. But the word husbandry means a field, a cultivated field, a vineyard, a farm. That's what husbandry is. That's what he said to this church. Imagine this, God saying to a church, ye are God's farm. In other words, the fruit that's to be born should be produced through churches. And then he says, you're God's building. The church is a spiritual building. This building here is not the church. This facility. The people are the church. The body. It's God's house. You're God's, you're God's farm. It can't be any simpler than that. To a church, he says, you're God's farm. You're, God's going to produce fruit. Through the church. And you are God's building. Y'all's spiritual building. The house of God. He says that in verse 16. If you look there. Know you not that you're the temple of God. You're God's house. The spirit of God dwelleth in you. God himself meets with you. If any, if any man defile the temple of God. Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. So, so we're, we are we're serving with each other, and we're serving with God. Verse 9 again, for your labors together with God. What if you could work with God? Wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine that? If you were to, if you were getting involved in some kind of a task, taking the illustration of farming, if you're going to go out and work and God would be out there working with you, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? To have God, we, that's what we do. We do the ministry, serving God through His church. We're we're laboring together with God. You know why we do what we do? We do it for the Lord. We do it with the Lord for the Lord. It's not about us. It's not about us being recognized. It's not about us, you know, being important. It's about God. Sometimes we do this. I've done it. I've heard many others do it. We say, well, that's... That's Brother Smith's church, or that's whatever. But it's God's church. It's not anybody's church. None of us. It's God's church. Now, something amazing happens when we work together. And that is, this is not a Bible term, but it's a good term. It's, the term is synergy. S-Y-N, not S-I-N. 
S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y, synergy. What, you know what synergy is? Most of you do. Synergy, like energy, but synergy is when you take two entities or two people or several companies and you merge them together and they produce more together than the two individuals do apart. Does that make sense? There's actually a mathematical equation for that. Two plus two equals five. And it really, it's a two plus two equals four, but, if, but when synergy's working, you're actually doing more. You're producing more than four. I don't know how to ex explain that, except I know it's, I know it's real. It's, it's real in business. But here's a, here's a very common illustration. You know, if I were to walk up, if I need to move a vehicle, a vehicle stalled, I've had a lot of stalled vehicles in my life. And I go up and try to push it by myself, and I can't move it. And I get Hunter to try to help me, and he sure can't move it. <laughs> but the two of us together can move it. So there's, there's something that happens when you get a lot of individual people doing the, when they're working together, it increases our effectiveness. It increases our effort. And that's really what happens in churches. And we ought to see each other as working together. And the last thing we see here, not only is the fact that God has, God has made us different, different gifts, different assignments, but He wants us to be unified in our doctrine and unified in our mission and our purpose. And we're to work together but notice how he rewards us. Look in verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. The person who plays the piano and the person who helps in the nursery are one. And the person who works in children's church and goes to the nursing home, they're two different people, but they're one. So we're all part of the same effort, the same team, the same mission. But look what it says in verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we all have the same this, uh, identical mission. We are unified in our purpose. We're all working together, but we're going to be individually rewarded according to our labor. So let's just say hypothetically. Uh, that the Mount Zion Baptist Church has dozens of missionaries around the world. And they're taking the gospel and churches are being started and people are being saved. And they're reproducing themselves. That's a great thing to think about. And uh, our publications, things that are being printed and books and our devotional books. And they, these things are, I mean, many, many, many hundreds of people are being blessed and helped by these different things in different places as well as our own community. So that's a wonderful thing. But you know who's going to be reward, how we're going to be rewarded? Everybody's not going to be rewarded. Everybody in the church is not going to be rewarded because they happen to be a member of the church and the church is doing all this stuff. Every man will be rewarded according to his labor. Is that what your Bible says? That's exactly right according to his labor. So we all work together as a team, and if you were playing on the football team, and the team 
Or let's, let's make it volleyball. We'll get out of the world of sports and we'll talk about something else. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's just say the volleyball team wins the tournament. And it's possible that every member of the team may get a participation trophy. If you're on the team, you get a participation. But the people who, who really did outstanding, they're going to get a special reward as most valuable player or honorable mention or whatever it is, whatever the case might be, first team, um, whatever. The point is the people, and this is how it's going to be. If I understand this right, and I believe, I'm fairly confident I am, when we stand before the Lord, our church may have started many churches through mission works and various things, but everybody's not going to be equally rewarded. You're going to be rewarded according to your labor. I don't, I, if you say, well, man, I praise God that our, our church has got these missionaries and I read these, hear these stories, I'm glad, you know, I'm participating. No, if you're not giving to missions, you're not participating. You're observing. You're you're a spectator rather than a participant. And if we have a good Sunday and there's visitors here and somebody gets saved and, and people are helped and ministered, you say, man, we really did a good job. We, we should as a church. We ought to say that's our church. Our church is reaching into our community. That's what we're here to do. But if you're not putting anything into it, you're not going to be rewarded just like somebody. You're going to be rewarded according to your labor. Is that, that's what the Bible says, right? Let's just read it again, verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. No, excuse me, verse 8. He that planteth and watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own labor, own reward, excuse me, according to his own labor. And if you look just a little bit further in that passage, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Now, this is not talking about manifest here. This is at the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of judgment. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That means just I look around this room, teenagers, adults, men, women, married people, young people, single people. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work, every individual person's work of what sort it is. So there are going to be people there who did very little work. There are going to be people there maybe who did a lot of work. There are going to be people there who did work, maybe all of us, including myself, did work that really didn't stand the test to put the fire to it. The fire is God's... It's like, you, you know, if you were to go out and uh, start a fire and you got some twigs and wood and put that stuff in the fire and it's just going to be burning and burning. And, but you could let, lay a piece of uh, steel in there and let the fire finish burning or a piece of gold, let the fire finish burning and the fire goes out and the twigs are gone, the trees limbs are gone. But you know what? There's stuff that withstood the fire and that's the steel and the gold and that's what Brother Billy Bridges meant when he said to me one time. I'll never forget, I was sitting in, in my office and we were talking. And I wasn't sitting behind the desk, I was just sitting in a chair. And he said, Brother Thomas! <laughs> he said, it's going to be something to see what's left when the smoke clears. And that's true. 
All of your works, all my works, are going to be tested at the judgment seat of Christ. And you say, well, what if it all burns up? Look what it says in verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, if all his works are burned up, he shall suffer loss. His works were not rewarded. They were not, they did not pass the test. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so is by fire. So, so these works are not about your salvation. They're about your service. All this is about your service. And our rewards are based on our individual acts of service. Verse 14, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Imagine what it's going to be like to go to heaven. Isn't it going to be wonderful? By her profession, by her testimony. Today, I, I'm, I really believe Eleanor went to heaven. And it's going to be wonderful to go to heaven. We have a friend in uh, a church on Long Island that we know well went to heaven yesterday. Um, heaven's going to be a wonderful place. And you can go to heaven and have no rewards. None. But I, I just think we owe it to our Lord to serve Him in this life and to serve Him in such a way that we receive rewards because those rewards are going to be the crowns that we throw at His feet. I want something to cast at His feet, don't you? And that's our service. So there's a whole lot in this. All of us are to be servants, but we don't serve alone. We serve as a team. And the teams in the New Testament are churches. We serve together. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different roles. We, we ought to be unified in our doctrine. We ought to be on the same page doctrinally. We ought to be unified in our purpose. And I said this the other day, and I, I just repeat it because I think it's so relevant. The more members of the body that are functioning in a healthy way, the more ministry is going to take place. You know, if you've, you've heard it in real estate, you've heard it in probably a lot of different things. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You ever heard that? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It should not be that in church. Every member of the church ought to be serving. That's not my opinion. That's God's opinion. That's what God said. And so we ought to be saying, Lord, what can I do? Show me what I can do. Find out how you can use me. Not individually, not to get attention. None of us want that. It's so we can, so for the team effort. It's for the team. And it's for the Lord. And we're laboring together with the Lord. Amen. Isn't that good to know? We're laboring with the Lord. And there's nobody in the world, nobody anywhere, in or out of the world, that's more worthy of our service than our Lord is. And it encourages me to see people who want to serve the Lord, who are serving the Lord, 
with their lives. It's a great blessing. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we thank you for just emphasis we're having in our church just about service and serving you, how the church is to function, the various members of the body, how we're to be unified doctrinally. God, these things are so important, so practical. We thank you for them. Thank you for the truth. Father, I pray that as we consider this tonight, that, Lord, you'd help all of us to have a heart to serve. And, God, I pray you'd use us, use us to reach people, use us to support missions, use us to make disciples. Lord, use us to reach our community Use us, Lord, to touch the lives of people. We think about this area we live in and our entire region. Lord, there's so many needy people, people that are living without purpose aimlessly, people without any hope for eternity, people who are addicted and strung out on all kinds of stuff. God, we want to do what we can as a church, as a body, as a team to reach people, make disciples. So God, help us as we do that. Help us as we endeavor to do that. And I pray, Father, that you would deal with our hearts individually about serving you in ways that we could serve you.